Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Music, Money, and Life podcast. Today, I have a songwriter uh, originally from L.A. He, he's now currently residing in Denver, Colorado. I have Jason Moore with me. Jason, how are you? Hey, doing great. How are you, Aaron? I'm doing great, Jason. So we were talking before we started recording, and, and you were sort of bringing me up to speed on your background and you're saying you've been writing songs and, and or, or you've been pursuing licensing rather for about five five years now. Can you tell us, just so my listeners kind of know a little bit about you, what what are some of the placements you've had over the last five years? Well, I, I've had I've had my music in a variety of different uh, avenues for for licensing. I've had it, uh, my music on television, and, and even the television world is is pretty diverse. I mean, there's a there's a huge uh, difference between, let's say, uh, you know, broadcast uh, network show and maybe a uh, you know a cable uh, reality show. Um, so I've had kind of both uh, ends of the spectrum. Just uh, just a couple of months ago, I had a a vocal track uh, featured in the show. Uh, the originals, which is on the uh, CW, and then I've had a, a ton of like instrumental tracks, like on uh, LA Inc. and and uh, Talking Dead and, and shows like that. That you know where it's just sort of tucked in the background. And so you know even within television, for example, you know, there's such a huge range in, in uh, how the music can be used and what kind of fees uh, you could expect for different tracks, vocal versus instrumental, the length that the tracks being used used for the you know the the uh the the context in which the track is being used so that's a little bit about uh you know some some things that i've seen just from my own experience with television placements and then i've had you know quite a bit of uh work in um advertising a lot of like small budget uh web ads for huge companies though like red bull will put out like a, a web series of ads mm -hmm. and so you know it's a really good credit to have but uh you know in terms of the money it's kind of comparable to maybe background track in a reality show or something yeah. along those lines. Like and I've also had some tracks from like what I would call new media. So basically tracks that, you know, music for productions that you, you might not really see these kinds of productions anywhere else besides the internet. So you might have like Time Magazine, for example, doing a, um, doing a, a multimedia piece on a story. And so they'll need music for that. And so they'll use music uh, that they license from various publishers and and libraries from that as well and then i've had a little bit of film work um you know i'm a huge fan of indie films so i'd, I'd really like to you know up my uh my credits in in the film uh, area but i've had a, a few things from like student films to short films to a, an indie uh, feature and uh that was a, a while back called cabin fever and so uh you know i i uh I've seen I've seen a lot of uh, applications for music, and I've seen kind of some trends in terms of um, you know what what licensing companies can do for uh, various different uses of music. And I've also talked with a lot of uh, you know the most uh, successful uh, music supervisors just to kind of get some some market research done. So I, I'm hoping I could share some of that information with everybody today as well, because I think they'll find that really valuable. Because ultimately, the music supervisor on most uh, for most applications of licensing music that music supervisor is the client that's who we're we're trying to get business from that's who's ultimately going to pay us um, so yeah I have a lot of a uh, lot of information just kind of compiled from uh, what these these people are saying and uh, what they 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 want from people like us 
Awesome. So it sounds like you have a, re- a really diverse uh, range of placements. Who are you getting most of your, your placements through? Are they through publishers? Are you going through libraries? They are, yeah. With, absolutely. And just as a disclaimer, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of keep a lot of this stuff anonymous just in terms sure. of like who music supervisors I've talked to because they've asked me to do that and and the the libraries and publishers that I've worked with as well but I'll tell you you know I I, I have um, quite a I have about 250 uh, tracks 250 pieces of music um, right now that are that are in pu- uh, libraries and publishing companies and licensing agencies and I would say 70% of that music actually probably a little bit more maybe 75% of that music is instrumental mm-hmm. and then the remaining is vocal and you know uh, I work I, I'm signed with maybe 15 different companies okay. but honestly you know uh, the majority of my placements I would say 80 80 to even 90 percent of my placements come from about three of those companies okay so you know and i and i've heard other people uh who are doing this kind of talk about their ratios and and they're pretty similar and i think it kind of back to like an 80 20 rule in business that you know it's 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 kind of known that you get like, you know, about 80% of your business through about 20% of your, of your contacts or clientele or whatnot. I've kind of seen that play out for myself as well. Sure. But uh, the companies I work with, you know, uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's kind of cool. I, at first, I, I wasn't really sure how this would play out. But one, you know, very well-known, uh, non-exclusive uh, company that was, you know, a couple of years ago, bought out by this huge, massive media conglomerate. Yeah, um, I think I know who you're talking about. But yeah, yeah you probably know who I'm talking about. And and uh, you know, they they've been um, they've been very consistent in getting placements for me. And you know, I I, I, uh, I hear you know I hear a lot of you hear a lot of gossip out there um, in the in the business. And you know, people are just speaking from their own experience and and whatnot. But you know, I, I would say that I, I I've worked with some companies that you know. At the time, maybe a couple of years ago, people were like, "Yeah, I don't know if, if that's a, a very, uh, you know, respected company or whatnot." I've even I even heard music supervisors kind of diss this company. Well, lo and behold, you know, not too long uh, after that, uh, that that uh, that that agency is a sponsor of the Guild of Music Supervisors. You know, so they're they're one of the the uh, music supervisor guilds like go to uh, uh, suppliers of music. So I think just a little. A story like that goes to show what you know. Most people who've been doing this for a little while realize is that you know there's there's this theme of you know following this this map that's laid out and, and this set of rules and and yeah, of course there's etiquette, but you know the 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 idea of like following these this step by step process to getting your music license versus. You know what? What I've heard a lot of music supervisors kind of refer to is like more of like the Wild West sort of setting, this landscape of music licensing, where for every rule, you know, there's there's at least one exception, and you you can you can never really quite put your finger on this moving target to getting your license music or your music license, excuse me, because you know there's there's no real set rules. Obviously, you want to have edit, you want to follow a certain etiquette, but you know there's there's just there's so much spontaneity. Anything can really happen. 
happen at any time, and it makes it very difficult to navigate because in most other fields, there's a pretty you know straightforward path, and it's a step-by-step process. Well, with you know music licensing, like I said, I've been at this for a few years now, and you know I'm gaining solid momentum. I'm getting my music placed regularly, like on a monthly basis. But somebody else might might pop in, and they might get their first placement within a month. And, you know, somebody else might not get a placement for years. So you just never. I think what you're touching on is uh, totally rings true. And it it makes teaching music licensing very difficult, right? Because there there really isn't like this one clear path. And I do a lot of consulting with with songwriters looking to license their music. And I, I think everyone's sort of looking for this formula that I don't think really exists other than, you know, cast a fairly wide net. Like you said, you're in like 15 different places, but really two or three sounds like they're really coming through for you. And I think that that's really true across the board. But the difficult thing is knowing who those two or three companies are. And that might be different for everybody, right? Exactly. Because everybody's circumstances. But it are, should be. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's kind of the trick. Yeah, that, is, that is a really good point you're bringing up because we all create different kinds of music. And, you know, some of us probably create a pretty diverse set of music and others maybe focus more on a genre. You know, I happen to focus more on rock, guitar, rock music. So, you know, uh, you're going to find if you're doing your homework, you're going to find the companies or the, the publishers or even the music supervisors with the certain shows who really specialize and need that kind of music. Wow. And that is such a better use of, of time than just sending out, you know, 50 packages to the first, you know, 50 companies you see on a directory. Yeah. So, you know, it's another theme that, that, that I've been thinking about, you know, just kind of getting ready for our conversation today is the idea of working smarter versus working harder. And, you know, the better you know your own music the better you know the the various opportunities if that's a you know a, a library you want to work with or a publisher or an actual music supervisor who's got a show that uses the kind of music that you make that's called working smarter instead of just you know blindly sending out a bunch of stuff and hoping somebody bites but you know we do all have to start somewhere but one thing that's come up over and over again just in a variety of capacities and this is just straight out of music supervisors mouths is that the one thing that they want people like us who are creating music to do to make their jobs easier is know know your pitch know what the what the context is how you know how the music supervisor needs to use music in a given show if i'm going to pitch to sons of anarchy i better have you know i better have the 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 kind of music that fits the tone of that show you know it's a very dark aggressive show they use a lot of loud guitar music in that show and and I better have an idea when I when I if I'm going to actually contact that music supervisor directly for that show I better have an idea of what what's happening right now in that season of that show to the main characters and how does the song that I'm pitching you know relate to the plot line of the show within the season and you know be able to set it up for the music supervisors to where I, I say something like hey I got this I got this song I think it fits this character's you know journey right now in the season and I think it could kind of fit with sort of the conflict that he's going through you know in the last couple of episodes and give some information to really set up like a real custom pitch instead of just a blind hey you know check out my my tracks 
I think they might work for your show. And then the guy listens to your stuff and it's like disco. It has nothing to do with the show. <laughs> and then he thinks you're basically a jackass, right? So basically over and over again, music supervisors came back when I asked them this question. What's the most important thing? You want a music supplier, if that's an artist or a publisher or a library, what's the most important thing you want us to do to make your job easier? Time and time again, the vast majority of them said, know your pitch, know what you're, you're trying to get your music placed into and, and target specifically the right music for that right application. Because everybody's short on time. They don't have time to look at stuff like, yeah, maybe they'll use a disco song at some point for some random scene. But if it's not the kind of music that that show is being used, uh, that's using consistently, you are kind of wasting that supervisor's time and you kind of ruin your credibility in the process. And that's the worst thing to do. And I would say the same thing applies to libraries and, and publishers. Because uh, a lot of them are, you know, huge, diverse, you know, uh, catalogs of music, but but there's also quite a few boutique ones that have a very specific niche that work with a very specific number of music supervisors on a on a, on a certain number of shows, and the reason those music supervisors come back to those publishers is because they always supply the right kinds of music, and so they're genre focused. Uh, suppliers of music and so i think it's just good it's worth that that extra time to do a little homework and work a little bit smarter and you'll you'll end up saving your resources as a result you won't send out as many packages and in the end you'll save a lot more time too sure now that, that makes total sense and, and i think by doing re- your due diligence you're not only doing yourself a service you're doing the whole music community a service right because if you think about it at the end of the day That's we, we all have a finite amount of time and, and I often wonder what percentage of submissions to supervisors and publishers and libraries are just completely not appropriate and end up taking up an, an inordinate amount of, of time I mean I'm sure it's at least half you know if, if not more so I think you, you touch on a really good point yeah yeah there's there's definitely been a lot of feedback about blind submissions out there and and that's that's one of the reasons like I won't submit to a music supervisor unless I know I have uh, not just not just the right track for that that show and films even harder to I mean don't even get me started talking about film but like shows at least you have a consistent kind of feel that's happening across the show so you know there's a little bit there's a little bit of hope there that you might hit the nail on the head for that show and that placement. Yeah. But for film, it's a totally different animal, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But I won't submit to a supervisor for a show unless I know the song I have fits the tone of that show, not only like globally, but what's happening right now in the season. And if it can fit that what's going on in a character, then even better. But if not, you know, then I just I just hold back and I I just assume, look if. Presenting my music will be able to actively pitch that. I, what I found is it's so time-consuming to try to, you know, play matchmaker for a song that, you know, after I started trying to do that for a while, I found myself, you know, with like months going by, and I hadn't even been in the studio to create a track. And I got into this to make music, not to be a, a, a you know, a music pitcher. So, you know, I kind of came to the realization that for me, working smarter means just creating the best music I can and as much of it as possible. 
And so that's why, like I was telling you earlier before we started recording, for me, time is a very precious commodity. I'm sure it is for most of your listeners out there. But, you know, I, I have two small children at home and I work a day job right now. I'm, I'm, I'm making placements, you know, every month, but it's, it's nowhere close to being able to pro- provide a full-time income for me. So I work a day job as well. And, you know, I'm lucky if I get two hours each day to, to, uh, to get in the studio or to pitch music or whatnot, you know, maybe three hours on a really good day. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's about trying to create as much music as I can within that limited time. And yeah, like an hour, two hours a day really does add up if you're doing it every day. I mean, I, I've been able to create whole projects just from, you know, one or two hours a day of just consistent, dedicated, focused work. And I, I actually kind of feel like it's made me be a better artist because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to work as smart as possible and just keep my focus razor sharp, you know? And so if I only have an hour after the kids go to sleep, you know, to get in the studio, I know exactly Exactly what I have to crank out, you know, if I'm laying down bass or whatnot, I'm, I'm focused and, and it makes me be very efficient. So, you know, I, I guess I'm bringing this up because I've heard some of your other posts and, and, and I, about time management and things like that. And I, I just feel like, you know, at this point in my life, if I can do this and, and I can, I can crank out a song in about a week with, you know, one to three hours a day of studio time, then like anybody can do this. You know, if, if there's people out there listening who, who don't have small children, you know, at home, I mean, they take up a whole, you know, here's a guy, you know, you're listening to a guy right now. He's got two of them and, and, and I'm, and I'm making music pretty consistently. Still finding time to, to do yeah, it. Yeah. So I feel like if I can do it, anybody can do it. And it's hard sometimes to get going. It's hard to get, you know, the ump to, to get in. And especially if you've kind of got out of the rhythm, for a little while. I get that. I've been there. I, I was just recently there, you know, and I had to just say, all right, enough's enough. I've been kind of taking a break for a couple of weeks, you know, from the holidays. And now I need to get back in there and, and just crank it, you know, and, and here I am a couple of weeks later and I'm, I'm working on my second song in 2014 after about a, a week and a half and, and I'm feeling good about it. And sometimes, you know, there's this theme of, uh, like we were talking about earlier, excellence versus perfection. And sometimes it's really easy to, to be tempted to kind of go for the perfect song and you got a thousand plugins and, you know, 500 overdub tracks that you can use in Pro Tools or whatever. And, you know, and you can, you got, you got amazing surgical editing abilities to zoom in and, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> vocal line your track or you know uh you know pitch shift your track to perfection well i think you know some of this is about you know the soul of the music that you're creating and and your artistic expression as a creative person making music and i I just think it's so easy now more than ever with all the technology we have to kind of get lost in that uh, quest for perfection and as a, as a result we kind of lose the uh, the excellence of our music and our art and so for me that whole theme of excellence versus perfection has, has been a big one too you know I, I kind of just limit myself to you look you know the the take's only going to get as good as it as it can get, you know. I mean, I, I and I don't uh, I don't auto tune my stuff, for example. Like I just figure, look, you know, there's enough of that out there where people are, you know, you know, artificially kind of enhancing their music. Like I want to try to do my music like real and and have it be pure. And and I think there's you can kind of tell a difference and and the kind of 
you know, placements that I'm going after, like they want that kind of real sound anyway, you know, and as an artist, I just feel, I'll feel more proud of that. If, if I said, well, that was the best take I, I could do. I didn't have to comp a whole bunch of different tracks together to make that or whatnot. And to me, that, that, that's excellence. And it might not be, you know, perfect, but what is perfect? Is perfect ever really achievable? So I think kind of knowing your limits as an artist and going for more of the excellence route is really, really a good thing. That's my opinion. I mean, yeah, you have to compete with people. Like I think we mentioned earlier, we're, you know, anybody who's out there as an indie artist or a band or whatnot trying to license their music, we, we have, in a lot of ways, we have the odds stacked against us. We, we're competed, competing with bands that have a name, bands who are cross-marketing with, with, uh, with the, the media in terms of like putting out their release and then they, they, they feature that song in a show and they have a name behind them. They have you know, a huge budget, uh, in, in some cases, like I just heard, like, for example, arcade fires, last record reflector, it was like a budget of uh, 1.5 mil that they used to produce that record. Here we are, we're on a shoestring, right? we got a pro tools rig and, you know, maybe some outboard gear and some instruments and a lot less time. And so, yeah, we're competing with, you know, a crazy amount of, of, uh, resources and a crazy amount of talent out there. And so I think that's really humbling. And I think that's important to remember sometimes for a lot of reasons. A, you know, you want to go for excellence in my opinion and, and not worry about perfection because it's never going to be perfect. And then, you know, another thing that's really important I would say is just like kind of a reality check. Like, Look, there's so many great musicians out there. There's so much talent out there. There's going to be music that is, you know, competing directly with with my music. That's that's going to be better than my music. It's just a fact of life. And, you know, once I started to accept that, I, it freed me up to not worry so much about, okay, yeah, why is my stuff not getting placed? Like, it's so good or whatever. Well, you know, it might not be as good as, as some of the stuff I'm competing with. And and you know what? Like, yeah, I... I, I, I've created some music I'm really proud of, but hey, there's a lot of people just like me and, and probably better than me and probably have more resources than I do, and I'm competing against them. So, you know, I, I'm going to be really grateful for every single placement that I, I ever get. And when you put your post out around Thanksgiving last year, that really resonated with me because, you know, I realized, man, I've had placements that I've been paid pennies for i mean literally fractions of pennies in some cases you know like if you're at a at a restaurant or something you hear some music in the background well you know there there are certain uh libraries that do that that you can get your your uh song placed and it gets in rotation and it's played in retail well that's really cool you know that's really cool to think my music's out there like around the world in all kinds of countries played in a variety of different settings from coffee shops to you know restaurants to retail stores whatnot but when it comes to money that stuff's like fractions of pennies but i am so thankful for even a placement like that i got paid 0. 0.0003 of a cent but hey it's being used it's yeah. being played yeah. so it somewhere and that's so awesome and some people never even get one of those they never even get their music heard anywhere well that's just it i i think it's really important when you're pursuing something like a, a music career in general i mean just the fact that we're able to pursue something like music i think we should be grateful for exactly. that you know I don't, I don't know about you but I've, I've done uh quite a bit of traveling over the last few years and i've traveled to some really poor countries and I, I think if I remember correctly, the statistic that I that I 
came across when I did that that blog post you mentioned is that something like 80% of the world lives on less than $10 a day. So yeah. I think it's important to keep things in perspective, you know, and, Absolutely. and we're, I mean, just realistically, we're not all going to be rock stars and I'm okay with that. I don't think everybody who per- pursues music is meant to be a household name. But but I will say this, and this is something I've, I've kind of been thinking about a lot. You know, I focus on licensing, obviously. And when it comes to licensing, yeah, there's just there's there's a finite number of spots and we're competing with more musicians than than there are potential placements. Right. It, it's just that simple. But when it, when it comes to getting our music out into the world, um, I don't know how many musicians there are in the world. I, I, I've never seen that statistic, but there's like seven billion people in the world. So I think licensing is one revenue stream and it's a great one, but there's certainly enough people to go around. Um, I think, you know, in, in, in terms of just consuming music. So I'm, I'm sure. kind of focus, focusing on that this year as well. Yeah. You brought up so much in that, in that comment. I mean, you know, the first thing I was thinking of is just, yeah, just to be able to be an artist and create, is such a luxury and 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 in music specifically because music especially if you're recording music you know there's a lot of there's a lot of equipment involved and 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 it's not cheap and and it's a luxury and i think it's important to remember like not only how great it is just to be able to have the ability to create something artistically but also to be able to you know record it and and have it uh, available for people to listen to like that that is something to be grateful for and that's that's not even with that's not even having a placement but you know every every placement that that I've received I am so thankful for and I celebrate them all from the ones that pay you know four figures to the ones like I said that don't even pay a, a penny and and to me that has created a shift in my whole outlook on this whole thing and I think it's actually you know I, I don't know if this sounds too new agey for people but I think it's actually affected the the kinds of placements and the number of placements that I've been receiving because I think when you're open to being grateful for things then I think the world is open to you and, and you actually achieve more success. And I've heard a lot of very successful th- people mention a similar kind of trend and pattern. And I think there's something to that. So I think it's really important to, you know, for us all out there, you know, gosh, man, there's, there's so many of us and we're all going through a similar experience trying to get our, our songs placed. And it's really important to just be thankful for the successes that you do have. You know, maybe you haven't got a placement yet or maybe maybe you're not where you want to be with your goals. You're getting some placements, but not as many as you want or the kinds of placements you want. Yeah. But hey, every one of us has something to be thankful for and something to celebrate. And then when you do celebrate those successes, because sometimes they don't come that often, that can really help your mindset and help, you know, encourage you to, to keep going because it, it does get discouraging sometimes, you know, and it does get hard to, to keep going. And sometimes you feel like, man, nobody, nobody cares. Nobody really, you know, even wants to listen to this or, you know, I'm not getting the kind of feedback or whatever it is. And, and, and we all know we moments like that so sure. it's like man just celebrate the sweet successes when you get them because it's so important to do and i think it leads to more success yeah i agree 100 percent. this is something that, that i've written uh a lot about over the last few years is it's just you know it does sort of sound new agey but whenever you focus like whatever you focus on I, I think you really bring more of that into your life so if you're in this sort of negative spiral of, of 
you know, feeling down on yourself or feeling sorry for the fact that you haven't gone as far as you want to. I think it's just the wrong fr- frame of mind to to be in, right? So I think yeah. if you, I mean, let's face it, if, if you write music and you write great music, you, you want to share it with, with, with people, with the world. I think that's normal. So I think in terms of licensing, you know, once you get your music into the right hands, there's only so much you can do. So I, I think you kind of have to focus on on writing music and let other people uh, pitch it and, and, and place it for you. Can you talk a little bit about how you've sort of maintained that uh, that balance? I know you, you said you still work a, a full-time job. How, how many hours are you writing as opposed to pitching your music to publishers and libraries and supervisors? Yeah, it's 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 changed. I've changed course quite a bit in the last few years, and I would say that's kind of slowed me down. To be honest with you, yeah. like I would recommend, you know, for your listeners, like pick a strategy and stick with it and see it through for a few years. You know, two three years before you really evaluate that strategy. I've changed my strategy so many times. I think it's slowed me down. You know, I, as I've learned new things, I've said to myself, well, you know, let me start my own publishing company, try to pitch my own stuff. And I realized, whoa, you know, you know, a year into that, like, gosh, how grueling that is and how far that took me away from making my own music. And so, you know, I, I've switched gears again and, and, and went back to just, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on creating the best music I can. And, and let's, but else, like you said, let's else pitch it. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with being your own stuff, um, in my opinion, but you got to know what you're in for and you got to realize how much time that's going to take and research and resources. And if you're okay with, you know, sacrificing that time from the creative process as an artist, I would say go for it. Yeah. But, um, and there's so many advantages and disadvantages to all the different approaches. So, you know, it, it, you can really get kind of lost in the muck. Um, so I, what, I like what do you find idea. works works the best at, at this point? You said you've kind of changed paths a few times. Are you focused? I, I, I personally feel like my greatest strength is in creating music. Yeah. So, so I'm going to create the best music I can possibly create. I'm going to create as much of it as I can because ultimately, you know, I got into this to make music. I, 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 and that's something I've been thinking about more and more. It sounds so pro, so simple and basic, but it's actually quite profound. I didn't get into this to see my music on a commercial or a show, you know? Mm. In fact, when I do see that happen, it's great. And when I do get paid for it, it's great. But it's not as, it's not as great as what I feel inside myself when I produced a track that I'm really proud of and I'm really happy with. Like a little, little example you know, the happiness that, that I feel when I, when I see a track, like I had something on the show 24 a couple of years ago, like one, one of the last episodes of that show. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, was, it was a big moment for me to see it, you know, in real time. And, and I was stoked. Don't get me wrong. I was really stoked. But you know what I'm more stoked on? I'm more stoked when I'm, I'm listening to a rough mix in the car and my little uh, four-year-old like, knows the words of the song. He's singing along. And that 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 uh, you know that makes me feel so happy, and you know I I, I have that bond with my kid. He, he knows my music, you know. He knows the words. He, he like rocks out to the beats and stuff. It's so cool. And when I when I produce something, that I, I feel like man, this is this is one of the best songs I've ever done. Like the fulfillment that comes from that, it. it you know, it, it can't really be compared to anything else. 
Yeah. And to me, like I spent a lot of time over the holidays kind of reflecting on that because to me, you know, I, I think, I think I, I decided in that moment over the holidays, like, look, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try to remain an artist throughout this thing. And licensing is one way to get my music out there and heard and maybe get a little recognition and yeah, you know, get, make a little bit of money on the side, you know, for me right now, it's like, I'm making enough every year to like, I, I'm a school teacher. So this mm-hmm. is like a, it's like summer, like uh, summer jobs worth, like, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm getting, I'm getting places every month, but when you add it all up, you know, what I take, what I take home from it after taxes and all, it's like, it's like a summer income, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's cool. But like, it's not what I, why I create music. You know, it's, it's like a, it's a, it's an, it's an outlet. It's an application for how my music can be used. And I think that it goes back to the art versus commerce. And what I realize is that I'm so much happier when I just focus on being an artist and if it gets used and if it gets placed and if people like it, cool. But if not, you know what, as long as I like it, I'm just so much happier. And and just to be able to make music on a regular basis, like it just, it makes me feel good and it makes me yeah. happier. And I think when I'm feeling good, I think that that will come through in music and I think it will get placed more. And that's what I've been seeing in the last couple of years is I've kind of started to get more toward this strategy of, you know, like I said earlier, I'm just going to create as much great music, the best music I can make in all the various aspects. Cause it's hard. You got your production, you got, you got the song, you got the musicianship, and then you have like the arrangement. I mean, there's a lot, the performance of it. You, there's so many aspects to getting a song recorded well. There's a lot to master. And, you know, that in itself, you know, I do everything myself, but like most of your listeners, I mean, that's enough to focus on my opinion. Yeah. You know, you know it's I, like I, other, think, I think you, t- you, yeah, no, absolutely. No, I think you've touched on something really important, which, which is, you know, this idea of sort of assessing why do we make music in, in, in the first place, right? And, it, you know, number one, if you're making music because you're hoping to get rich, um, I mean, I can think of a hundred, you know, ways to make money easier than, than trying to break into the music business. It's so true. You know, it's, yep. it's, it's probably like the stupidest get-rich-quick scheme that, that I know of. Um, so I think, it's re- I think it's really important. I think I've come to a pretty similar conclusion, Jason, in, in that... Even with clients that I coach, I, you know, I let people know that that I, I basically approach licensing as an afterthought. You know, in other words, first and foremost, I want to create music that I'm really proud of, that 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 I like personally. Then, if I can monetize it, great. But I'm not trying to think about ways to monetize it while I'm writing it. Um, do, do you do you relate to that? Yeah, I, I could definitely echo that. I mean, uh, but I'll also level with you. Like, I found myself, <laughs> I've caught myself, you know, in the middle of a studio, in a studio session, or writing, even worse, sure. I'm writing lyrics. Like, oh, you know, gosh, would this, would this lyric ever get licensed, or uh, is this song hooky enough, or whatnot? And I, and I've literally had kind of untrained my brain in that in yeah. that regard, because you know what I've seen earlier. We were talking about you know this idea of the music business being the wild west, there's no hard set rules to any of it. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, when they try to formulate a hit song, they have a rule book for that. And yeah, on some levels that makes sense. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, bore your listener before they get to the chorus, you know, or there's gotta be some kind of hook or whatnot. But 
but I, I, I am very leery of, of too much of that kind of thinking because that's not what making art is about. You know, you're, you're not thinking about a formula when you're making a true piece of art. And when something is art and, and something has a life and a spirit in and of itself, i.e. a song, people will feel that and, and, and ultimately, I believe if it's quality, it's going to get placed. And you know what? The truth of the matter is actually that even pretty good, like decent music that's really well produced will get placed a lot. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it all comes down to production. Like if you can put together some chords and like, you know, have a decent, decent sense of like, you know, a groove and it's really well produced, like it's going to get placed and it's going to get placed a lot. That's, that's kind of a nice thing too. But, you know, in terms of the art, yeah, I think, uh, you know, just to be aware of certain things like, you know, when you're if you're doing a vocal track, some words, you know, when sung uh, or sang or whatnot, they just they they may not they may not be placeable. They may sound like a curse word. Like I had I had one agent say, hey, I, re- I really want to pitch this track. But in the second verse, it sounds like you're saying shit. Yeah, and I was like, "That's not all what I'm saying. It's not the lyric at all." He's like, "Doesn't matter. That's what, That's what it sounds like. like." Yeah, and 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 so l- listen, you know, I'm, have- I'm not saying that you should com- completely not think about commercial applications for your music while you're writing music, but I'm just saying personally, I don't specifically try to write music that I that I hope will get placed in specific projects that much anymore. And I used to be invited. I had a publisher that would pitch me ideas. She would say, "I need a song for." this show can you come up with a goth rock song or i need a song for this show can you come up with an electronica song and i would end up spending weeks and weeks in some cases writing and recording these songs that a lot of times wouldn't end up being used so i guess the conclusion i came to is i would rather spend my time on music that i'm going to be really proud of first and foremost and then you know approach licensing and and, and approach cd sales and all these things but first and foremost i want to create something that i like personally i would still echo that in my own experience, for yeah. sure. I would add to it, though, that, and I'm sure you feel this way, when, if you've been doing this for a little while and you get a sense for, like, which tracks have been placed, or if you just watch the kind of stuff, like, you want your stuff in a movie, you know, watch a lot of movies that are like the kind of movie you'd like to see your song in, and you get to see, well, okay, after a while, you get to kind of be familiar with, well, how's the music being used? And after a while, kind of doing that and getting some stuff placed, you kind of start to get a sense of, okay, what works and what doesn't. And so, you know, not that not that I'm using that to kind of be more commercial or whatnot, but it's it's almost like a common sense. Like, yeah, I know that, that it would probably the arrangement would probably work better this way. And it would probably, and, and I find that it probably would lend itself to a better song anyway and, and more placeable. And so it's just very small, very detailed like uh, decisions that I found myself making just based on my own experiences with getting stuff placed, if that makes sense. Hopefully your listeners will kind of get what I'm saying. And then in terms of like you are saying, like if a publisher asks you to write like a certain type of song, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a couple of experiences like that, and I actually had one of one of my favorite songs that I've done was like that. I mean, the guy called me up. He's like, "Look, we need a." This was last March. He's like, "Look, we need a track. It sounds like this band, and can you do it? Can you kind of have a similar sound?" Do and I was like, "Whoa! Like, it's a, I've never actually like tried to write a sound alike before. Yeah. I don't know. This is this is kind of a little bit against my integrity." But I was like, "You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm just going to try to have some fun with it." 
and I wrote a track, and I don't think it's a ripoff of the song. There's a quote I love. It's it's saying uh, there's a difference between you know uh, a thief and a robber. You know, a robber just takes takes the stuff, but a thief uses art to try to steal it. Sure. And yeah, and, and, and listen, we we all art too. Yep. There's no, there's no original ideas out there. Exactly. All are influenced exactly. by other people, you know, exactly. and that's how it's been since the dawn of time. So yeah, you know, you do, you do steal from your influences a little bit, and if you do it really well, then by, by God, I think your influences would be stoked to see that they were your influences, you know, because they've had influences. Yeah. You know, like, and 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 I think a lot of this, Jason, really boils down to what your personal go- goals are. You know, like you said, you still work a full time job. I don't know what your long-term plans are. I don't know if, if, if you're hoping to transition into doing music full-time, but if you want to make money from music full-time, then maybe you do have to, 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 uh, to think about some of these things a little bit differently. But um, for me, I, I want to do music that I'm proud of, and if I can perform it and make money from that and do licensing, make a little from that, you know, that, uh, that works for me at this point. Yeah, I think, I think a full-time income in music these days is it's rare that you'll see that in one avenue i mean even famous bands they don't get all their money from just touring or just licensing or just record sales if there's such a thing anymore right or merchandise it's a combination of all the things and like you're saying you know you 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 still perform and you you get yourself placed and you know and you and you you coach and i think that's working smarter the people who I have talked to or the people who I know who make their – there's very few of them – who make their entire full-time living off of licensing, I, I, the reality of what they do, unless they got in about 10 years ago before like at the peak of the market, you know, which is something I, I'd like to talk about a little bit in a, in a minute. But you know, the, people, the people I've talked to who do this full-time – they have like 900 tracks, first of all. Yeah, they're cranking out. Which to me is insane. Yeah. And it's mostly cues. It's mostly like, you know, so there's cues and there's songs for right. your listeners out there who might not be familiar with the jargon. So it's like a 30 to 90 second instrumental piece used for like what is called wallpaper music. That's in the background of like a reality show. Yeah. And it's going to get you, you know, no money up front in a sync fee. It's going to get you a royalty from ASCAP but the, or BMI or wherever you're affiliated with. But the problem with those uh, types of shows is that they're on these um, – they're on these cable uh, stations like True TV or the Food Network, the Food Channel, right, or Discovery. And the way that those stations have their deals set up is that they're not considered broadcast. So you get a very small fraction per area of that show that your song's in than you would if you were on, like, the CW or NBC or a network uh, station. And so, and they just line their shows up. If you've ever watched these reality shows, they've just lined them up with music, back-to-back music, because it's dirt cheap. And in a lot of ways, they're taking advantage of artists. But, you know, it's a great way to get credits. But anyway, these guys, you know, they got 900, 1,500 songs, and they're just... They're getting hundreds of these a month. They're getting hundreds of these kinds of placements a month. And, I mean, I don't know about you, but the idea of how the hell would I create 900 songs, I mean, that's, that just seems almost impossible. Yeah, I it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. Mind it is. To, it to, is mind-boggling. But, th- but that's one approach, right? And that's more of like production it music, is. background music. It's production and, music, and exactly. And hats off to those guys. I have a few friends that do that. Um, yeah, that's not what 
that's not what I'm about at all. You know, I wrote maybe seven songs last year and maybe three of those I think are like really, really good songs. So I think a lot of it comes down to how much music you have in you and, and what your goals are. If you want to crank yes. out, you know, sort of generic production music and make, yeah, I don't know, 15 or 20 or 30, you know, whatever you can make from that. That's awesome. I have nothing against that. But but again, like, are you trying to be a songwriter who writes really great art? Or are you trying to crank out, you know, rock riffs that, that generate a couple hundred bucks a pop? It, that's a personal question, I guess. Well, and even, even a couple hundred bucks for a placement, like, we're kind of coming out of a really bad spot. I mean, obviously, everybody is with the economy and in all factors. But music licensing, especially, you know, when I talked to these music supervisors and we were in the thick of it and, and budgets were at the lowest they've ever seen, you know, the good news is, like, the budgets are starting to pick up. I, I foresee 2014 is going to be a really great year. I mean, what, what's what's great to hear, you know, I think for your listeners is now's a very good time to be making music and trying to license it because the economy is on the upswing. There's going to be more placement opportunities. The sync fees are going to, are going to increase. They've been at record lows. Uh, they're going, they're never going to come back to where they were, you know, in the early two thousands, late nineties or, you know, early to about 2004 or so. That was probably the peak I think of the industry, but you know what? Uh, compared to where it's been in the last five years, like we're we're heading. There's definitely the light at the end of the tunnel. We're we're almost to that light, and things are going to get a lot better. So it's a great time. But you know, the flip side too is that there's just more music out there. There's more competition. You know, it's getting easier to to uh, produce. Uh, tracks that sound really good and so you know we all got to be up on our game even more to be able to compete and get our music placed but yeah I mean just a few I'm going to have to run here in a few minutes because I got some kids coming in here that I'm going to have to work with but just some few stats you know your your listeners might find valuable you know the music supervisors I, I talk to there's about 30 of them and you know out of that 30 that at the time we had you know the uh we had the emmy winning uh, emmy award winning show we had the the uh the oscar winner for best picture the music supervisor on those on those projects we had we've had people who you know been indie supervisors for you know a few years and now they're the hot after just a couple years of the hot indie supervisor on the on the scene we've also had like veterans who've been working since you know the 70s and um and and virtually all are very successful still working today we work all the time every time we turn on a screen so these are the people i was talking to when i asked them how many different suppliers of music that could be an artist or a publisher or a library how many do you work with 70% 70% of them said they work with just a few dozen tops. Yeah. 30% said they actually work with hundreds. So what that tells me is that most supervisors are going to want to work with a company versus a, an artist reaching yeah. out. Not that you can't reach out, but it's, you got to realize it's going to be a gamble for a supervisor to work with you if you're an independent artist. Uh, problem with the copyright or anything that, that doesn't quite uh, fit, like you didn't get a, a co-writer to sign off on the license agreement, yeah. then they've just they've just they're they're, they're putting their reputation yeah incredibly on the line for so them to go to a yeah. trusted source. And then some of them, you know, if, if let's say it's an in-house 
you know, supervisor like working in CBS and, and they're working on all the CBS shows, they're not allowed contractually. They're not allowed to work with an independent artist. They have to go through a, a vetted licensing. Contract. It's just, you know, we have to think about the client and, and what it's, you know, what their world is like and, and what their factors are too. Another thing that came up, you know, was that uh, 57% of them said that the number of, of their music suppliers is growing at a rapid pace. Only 5% said that the number of music suppliers was shrinking. So what that tells me is that, yeah, there's a whole lot more competition. And like I said, uh, I think there's a lot more potential. But at the same time, even though there's more competition, I think there's going to be a lot more opportunity going forward. This is good news for us uh, as artists, you know, 53% of these music supervisors said that discovering new artists is really important. And then 47 of them, 47% of them, I'm sorry, said that it's somewhat important. No one said that it's not important at all. So there's a lot of pride in discovering a new artist. I think as a music supervisor. Hello. Hey, Jason. Hey there. Hey, you cut off for, can you hear me? Yeah. We, we, I lost you for a second. Well, look, um, I know I got cut off there, but, Unfortunately, I'm gonna have to go. We can do this a little bit later. I got kids coming no, in. No, no, that's cool. Uh, that, that I'm gonna have to work listen, with right I, now. I think I have. A, I have a. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Yeah, no, I think yeah, we're I good, man. I'll I'll edit everything together in a way that makes sense. I'll just cut out the the last okay. little part. Not a problem. Um, can you send me a a track though that you want to feature? I'll play one of your songs at the end. So if you can send me like an MP3 of something, um, just let me know yeah. what it's called, and I'll oh. um I'll put it at the end of the podcast. Sure, I'll, I'll I'll send you a a track if if not hopefully today if not though tomorrow at the latest. Okay. And I'll send you something that that's uh, been placed just so your listeners can kind of get a feel for like you know the kind of production or or whatnot. And I'll I'll I'll, I'll just mention where it was placed just so they can kind of see okay like this track got placed in this setting or whatnot. Yeah, that'd be great. Do you know what do you know if the that name? Makes sense. Uh, okay, cool. Do you know the name of the song? Uh, well, I haven't decided yet. I'll, 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 I'll kind of think about it and take a look. Okay, send it and, to me, uh, and then at the yeah, end of the podcast, I'll, um, I'll edit it in, and I'll let people know where it's been placed. Uh, all right, sounds like a plan. Jason, thanks, well, thanks so much, man. Thanks. Sorry about the bad connection. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, no, no, it's all good. And, you know, if uh, your listeners are, uh, can hear this, you know, just keep fighting the fire. I think if you make solid music that's well-produced and hang in there, you, you will get placements. But uh, but it's a long road. It's definitely a long haul. Awesome, and, man. Th uh, thanks, Jason. I'll, I'll send this to you when uh, when it's done and, and posted. All right. Sounds good, man. All right. Take care. I'll get Jason. back to you with the track. Sounds great. Have a great day. All right. Okay. Bye. So after Jason and I recorded our podcast, Jason sent me one of his tracks called So Bad. And this is a song that Jason recently had placed in an episode of the television show, The Originals. Again, this track is called So Bad. To learn more about Jason and his music, go to Jason's website, which is jmmore.com, jmmore.com. To learn more about me and my website and how you can license your music in television shows and films, go to howtolicenseyourmusic.com. Music.